What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe, and we'd like to thank all of our incredible supporters. That's every one of you listening to the show today and all of our academates in the Best Seller Academy, who we absolutely love and are doing incredible things. If you're interested in starting, finishing or writing from scratch that book, then join us at academy.bestsellerexperiment.com to find out how you can get accountability, weekly and monthly coaching, and an amazing community to be a part of. So Mr. Stay, it has been quite the week, hasn't it? I've had an interesting week. I have to tiptoe around this. A dream writing gig that I've been nurturing since 2015 might slip through my grasp this week. <laughs> so I I can't really speak about it yet. But uh, And this ties in with our special guest this week because your ability to cope with rejection, to ride out the storm with tenacity and hopefully a bit of dignity <laughs> is, is something you have to cultivate. And sometimes it's about picking yourself up, dusting yourself off and, and getting on with it. Sometimes you have to kick and scream a bit, which is what I've been doing in my own mild-mannered way. Uh, I got some great advice this week, which was when negotiating with Hollywood, um, you have to stamp your foot till daddy buys you an Oompa Loompa. (laughs) 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 Unfortunately, that advice might have come a little bit too late, but it's a lesson learned for the future. But, you know, we've got a great guest next week who will talk about Hollywood, and there's a hell of a oh, story yeah. there. And it's it's, it's a place that would cheer you up and spit you out, but it's, it's I tell you what, it's it's fun, though. I'd rather I'd rather be chewed up and spat out than um, sitting there thinking about being chewed up yeah. and spat out. You rather, know? <laughs> rather be on the roller coaster exactly. than watching the advert on TV, right? Feeling but nauseous. The, <laughs> but the, the, the other thing is, as we know, I mean, what are we, four and a half years now into this podcast at least? I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember anymore. But... We do know that there's always, in any good story, there's always an amazing twist, right? There's always an amazing <laughs> plot twist. And there's often a happy ending. So so who knows? Maybe this is the, maybe this is the, what do they call it? The resurrection, no, the, uh, what's the hero's yes, journey yeah, moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah, yeah. The, 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 resurrection. To, to, be clear, to be clear, this is not the new film. That's been one of the most wonderful experiences yet. This is a TV yes. thing. Um, but you this know, is yet, yet uh, another op- massive opportunity in Mr. Stay's world, which is yeah. I mean, I've wonderful. I've been very very lucky. I've got writer friends who've got all kinds of war wounds. You know, I, I know one writer who worked for you know Bob Weinstein and the stories he can tell. You know, it's, 
It's yeah. uh, I've this has been a breeze so far. So uh, yeah, it's uh, at the very yeah. least I get a war story from it. So you know, <laughs> well, well, what's the, the, yeah, but Brian Cranston said that didn't he about yeah. creating, a, creating a great story down the road. But the other thing is, you know, the luck, the harder you work, the luckier you get. I I really believe in that. I think um, you know, I think it's about I think it's about hard work and combined with belief. I think everything changes. In fact, everyone listening out, okay, a little bit of pep talk. We haven't done a minute motivation for a while, have we? Goodness, no. you remember those in the years gone by but I do I really do believe I was coaching about this this week actually and I I love it just I remind myself of this constantly in my own life but when I'm working with 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 clients it's great to see that moment where someone steps across that threshold of belief so many people are the other side of belief they don't yet believe that they're good enough they don't let believe that something's going to happen they don't believe they can write a good book or even finish a book and yet belief has to start first you have to kind of lead with belief before then things can happen and um and i think i think the most crucial thing i mean even with the academy a lot of it's about really working on people's belief that they can do this that they can actually make this happen because once and actually we'll hear a bit more about that in our interview today but in Mm. terms of believing it's possible you have to no one's going to give you that that certificate and say you're now a great author you're now capable of doing x y and z it's like you've got to believe it first because if you don't believe it who's going to believe in you I had to write an email this week, basically bigging myself up. And I'm normally quite mild-mannered and modest about stuff like this, but this was one time I thought, sod this, I'm not being coy. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I'm actually going to I'm actually gonna big myself up and say, I'm actually pretty good at this and I've done some good things and I've got more good things on the go. So hmm. that was fun. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard, isn't it? Because you, it, it feels unnatural to do it in some ways, but there comes a point where you've got to stand, you've got to stand in your own light and say, I've earned this. Yeah. You know, this yeah. I, I've spent, and it's, you know, if someone's, someone's like waltzed in and they've, they've, you know, it's the first time they've ever done anything, then they haven't really earned their, their war wounds or the spurs or the medals, but like, um, you know, you've been at this writing stuff yeah, I like mean, look, I mean, years I, now, I'm, thirty years, twenty, yeah, twenty-five it is, it years. Is, well, that's right. that's what I put in the email. I've been doing this for thirty it's years, half now. a lifetime, and um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm speaking from the good position. I'm a you know middle-aged white bloke. Uh, we've got it easier than anyone on the planet. But you know, when I started out, my parents were cleaners. You know, we lived on an estate. I didn't know anyone in the film industry. You know, I've um, I've been I put on my own plays to sort of you know. Uh, it's i've been banging my head against this wall for it's taken me a lot longer to get here i i didn't i wasn't someone's nephew you know i didn't go to rada or film score or anything mm. like that so um you know it's it's been a journey it's been a journey i've enjoyed it i've loved it but uh yeah it does require a little bit of tenacity whoever you are i think absolutely. some more than others yeah keeping the faith absolutely mm. well we're going to hear a lot about tenacity in our incredible <laughs> interview today um which we're going to dive into in a bit but um I just wanted to give people a little bit of a heads up. Um, people who've been, we've had a few emails asking about when the Academy doors are going to open again. Um, and we are going to be opening the doors um, reasonably soon. I can't give you a date yet. But what we've decided to do is create a pre-registration. So that's for people who want to kind of get in on, on the wait list early and actually get their registration in. Um, it's a very short process, about 10 minutes. But we ask you about what your dream is. I mean, this is the whole point of the academy and the whole point of i think the whole point people write a book is there's a there's a dream which is either about f- 
even just finishing that book is such a momentous milestone in people's lives. It, and, it, and it's also a huge thing that, that I've noticed a lot of people is when they finish that book, they, they, they have a newfound confidence that they never, ever lose. It's like, they, it's like you, kind of, you kind of level up but you can never go backwards once that, once you've, can you, can you remember the first time you finished your first book, what that felt like, Mark, that kind of feeling that you got? Well, I mean, I've, I finished books when I was still at school. I wrote a terrible Star Wars meets Star Trek meets Battlestar Galactica ripoff, um, which I did finish and it was terrible, but I finished it. Uh, So, you know, that, that was something. And of course, writing plays and getting them on stage, that was, that was re- that was really something. That was uh, you know getting other people to say words that I'd written, getting an audience to turn up for it. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's it does give you an amazing feeling, an amazing feeling, and, and it it's a difficult step to take because you're putting your head above the parapet. Yes, you, you know it's no longer something in a notebook or stuck on a file on a laptop or whatever. It's out there in the real world, and once it's out there in the world, real world, you lose all control of it. It belongs to the audience now or the readers or the viewers or the listeners or whatever medium you're, you're putting out there. And I think after a while you reconcile yourself to that. You, you, you know, you just think, okay, that was imperfect, but the next thing will be better. And mm. that's just what you have to keep doing. Yeah. And it's, and, and one of the things that I've, I've really been hot on recently is this idea that procrastination is trying to delay the fear of criticism or fear of rejection, right? Yeah. When you think yeah. about it, sometimes not that we don't want to write our book. It's that we don't want to finish our book because when we do, we're going to be forced to, to get someone to read it and then we might get criticized. So one of the things we're working on in the academy is helping people get over this idea of um, of procrastinating or worrying about criticism because I say bring on the criticism because for every one person that criticizes you, hopefully there's going to be 10 people that love what you do. And I always go back to these one-star reviews. Biggest authors in the world have got more one-star reviews than everyone else because they just have more people looking at their book. And so bring it on, bring on the criticism. But the idea is that we want to break down this idea of procrastination. Our life, our life doesn't wait for us. The clock constantly ticks. We know that. And now is the day that we have to start or finish or work out what we're going to do about writing. And we're going to hear again from our interview about this idea of you've just got to get on and do it. So if that's you, if you, if you're ready, if you're thinking enough of this messing around, this has been a dream of mine all my life. And I want to write this book and I not just want to write this book. I want to write the very best book I'm, I'm capable of today. Right. That's what the Academy is about. So if you want to get in, um, put your application in early. We do want to learn a bit about what your goal is and what your, you know, it doesn't matter if you haven't even started writing a book. The point is, is that we want to know what, what your, your goals and, and dreams are as an author so that we can help support those within the Academy. So go to academy.bestsellerexperiment.com to, to fill out the application form. It takes about five, 10 minutes and, uh, and then you'll be on the list and it is kind of, we'll go through the list one by one, first come, first serve. So, but on that note, let's talk about somebody who took that initiative, Mark, because today's guest has an amazing story. And I think a lot of people are going to relate to this. A lot of new authors. Absolutely. Uh, It was an absolute joy to speak to Ellie Barker. Ellie is presenter for ITV West Country, also worked for BBC Look East, GMTV. She started as a runner. So that's um, where you work on the studio floor running, you know, 
gopher getting things you know a, a mutual friend of ours started out like that and he's now making documentaries Indeed. and things so you yes. know it's uh, it's it's how you get into tv but she's always been a fan of books uh, her debut novel the pink coffee shop was 10 years in the making and she talks about having heard on this podcast, the editor, Scott Pack. Now, listeners, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Scott was on the podcast on episode 252, talking about his amazing book, Tips from an Editor. Scott has also worked with Cueve McDonald, friend of the podcast, and also a member of the BXB group on our Facebook group, and also Nicola May, a major bestselling indie author who will be returning to the podcast later this summer. Um, but it was great chatting to Ellie. We talk about rejection, working with editors, starting your own imprint, and much, much more. Fantastic. So let's dive in and listen to Mark chatting with the lovely, bubbly, and joyful Ellie Barker. Ellie Barker, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today? Mark Stay, thank you very much. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am tickety boo, thank you for asking. Uh, and I love it. I love it, love it, love it. I love nothing more when one of our listeners drops us a line out of the blue and says, hey, I've done it. I've got a book out. And um, what's m- even more wonderful is it's because of something you heard on the podcast. So what we're going to do, Ellie, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how, you know, how your writing career came about, your career in journalism and TV and all that exciting stuff. But you heard us talking to the wonderful Scott Pack. And how did that work out for you? Okay. So, I mean, it is several I I have to say it because I'm I'm quite overwhelmed actually to be on the podcast because I've been listening to it I really am this is I've been listening to it for a long time and it's funny because I listened to some of your first ones um sort of with more traditionally published authors and they're always very inspiring just the whole writing process and then when I was going through another round of rejections I've been writing for 10 years and I I have genuinely lost count with the amount of projections I've had, but then it's way into the seventies, I would say by now. And I was contemplating about self-publishing. I was thinking, look, there has to be another way. And, you know, I didn't know if it was for me. And then it was in January, I heard the interview with Scott Pack and he spoke so well because a, he, he sounded very honest. He had so much experience of all his time working in the traditional publishing industry. But then there was also things that came out of that that I hadn't quite got my head around, like how long it really takes for a book to come out and then understanding why it takes so long for a book to come out. And he was also quite, he was very encouraging about self-publishing too, which I thought somebody who'd worked in the traditional world also being very supportive, that really sort of sort of got my attention as well. And I I remember him saying that he would only take on people that he felt were worth taking on. He wouldn't just take on if it had work as an editor. So I thought, well, do you know what? I having had again, you know, and you, you know, I know you talk about it so much, but when you've constantly been told, I'd have some nice rejections and, you know, I did, (laughs) but when you're constantly told for years and years and years, it's very, you know, it's, it, it does, as your listeners know, takes a lot to, you know, keep getting that laptop open and going back. And I thought, look, if if he is, if he would be interested. So I got, I got in touch with him and I sent him, you know, a little sample and he came back to me. He said, actually, yes, I will look at it. And for me, that was just a huge breakthrough, yeah. just, just that. So then he took it and then I got, uh, it was a few weeks later and I had his report and bear in mind when you have all these rejections, you don't actually know what's wrong with it. So you just, you, you're doing the same things all the time. So he gave me four lines of what he liked about it. 
that was great. Then, <laughs> then I was like, four lines, that's more than I've ever had. But then, wait for it, I had 14 pages oh my gosh. of what was wrong with it. And um, <laughs> and I, um, I, yeah, and also, but in the meantime, when I'd heard his interview, I also happened to then listen to another one of your interviews with Cleve McDonald, if I got his name uh, pronounced Cleve. correctly. We love Cleve, and he, yep. yeah. and he was talking about Scott Pack. So again, it was all this kind of, I know Scott knows what he's talking about. I do, and I need to listen to him. So then we had a, we had a Zoom call. And luckily enough, because I, I am a journalist, and I am used to very personal criticism, should we say, mm. you you know that's part of it but actually like I had an hour-long conversation with him and every single point I had to agree with it made perfect sense but I just hadn't seen it I just hadn't seen it so then I I basically it took me I think about 10 or 12 weeks it was during lockdown I basically rewrote it Mm-hmm. And pretty much I kept all the characters. I think there are about three or four, maybe a few more scenes that were the same. But uh, for example, just the most obvious things, I'd set it over a week and there was no real reason for it to be set over a week. So then I set it over a longer period of time, which made it all much more realistic. It sounds so obvious, but actually, and I was trying to, I don't know why I ever set it over a week. And so it was, it was just all these things. And then I sent it back to him and I was like, oh my goodness, what do I do now? And he came back to me and actually, you know, I think there was about two pages of what was wrong. So I felt like I had really um, gone in, you know, gone in the right direction. And then just to have his, somebody like him, to have his kind of support and belief, for me, that made it, I, I was able to take the leap to actually publish it myself, if that makes sense. You know, I just... It's very hard to put something out there that's been so rejected. But then this version hasn't been rejected because it's it's sort of his version. Um, and it really gave me the courage. So, yes, I would never, ever have known about Scott Pack had it not been for your podcast. Well, he's, um, I mean, he's, he's, he's wonderful and he's such a positive force for authors, you know, be they indie, be they trad, be they hybrid, you know, so that's um, yeah. it's wonderful. We are just over the moon. And so the, your debut novel is The Pink Coffee Shop. Yes, and this it is. has been uh, this has been a, like you say, ten years. This has been a, a little while coming. Tell us how it first came about. Yes, um, I will. So going back uh, many years ago, when sort of you're like a naive twelve year old, and you can be anything um, that you want to be. I wanted to be a journalist, and I wanted to be an author. And then I um, discovered that my favourite author at the time, I loved even then reading Barbara Taylor Bradford, and she'd been a journalist. And mm. I thought, great, this is this is you know, it's this is going to happen, sort of thing. So then I became, um, I did become a journalist in television, and you know that brings its own challenges but then sort of when I I did that and I was always talking about writing a book and I can remember I would go when I was 18 with um two uh, of my oldest friends and we'd go to a, a coffee shop that wasn't called the pink coffee shop but it was it was pink and my favorite color is pink and we used to talk, like discuss all our woes of teens over diet coke and carrot cake and I'd say oh but one day when I'm a journalist and I write my book and they said oh you should call it the pink coffee shop so that's sort of where the pink coffee shop came from but so it took me then 
again, you'll know this well, till I, well, 10 years. So um, I'd had my first son and I kind of thought, but hang on, look, I've done TV journalist. I've become a mum, but I still haven't, you know, done the author thing. And my husband, he just said to me one day when we were on holiday, for goodness sake, just write the damn thing, you know, just do it. <laughs> so, so I did. I was like, okay, I will. So there it started. So, and it's funny because when I listen to your podcast, it's, oh my goodness, it just, I listen to your podcast when I go out running and sometimes I'm like shouting, I'm like, yes, because I've heard you say this because, right, okay, so it took me probably about 18 months and I wrote a hundred thousand words and I did exactly what you say. Oh, I was like, the end. Yay. I've written a book. I'm going to get my book deal now. That's it. That's all. And of course, you know, if you only knew what you had to come. So then I was, I sent that out uh, again, very naively. I did have some nice agents, like nice response. Now I realized that was quite, you know, it was good, but there was sort of a, a problem, you know, that nobody sort of quite took it on. Then I had an agent say, look, why don't you, I do quite like this. Would you consider writing it in the first person? So I was like, God, of course I, you know, of course yeah. I will. And I was like, here we go. But actually with, you know, by this stage, I was doing early shifts for my job. I was a breakfast, reading the breakfast bulletins and I then was going to have my second son. So, you know, life was a bit busy as well. So it took me a, another year to write it in the first person. But I genuinely, I think it was actually slightly less than a year, but I genuinely remember pressing send thinking, here we go. This is it. This is yeah. this this is going to be yeah. the moment only to get a reply back to say, thanks for getting in touch. My business has been going really well since we last been in touch, but I've decided now to focus on children's books. So I'm not taking on oh. any adult authors. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, okay. right. right. You can imagine. <laughs> okay. Oh okay. So then I thought, right, let's start again. So, um, and, and again, this is why I think podcasts like yours are so good because at, at the time, I had no idea how normal this was because um, mm. you think, oh, my God, you just feel a bit ridiculous. And I didn't even sort of tell a lot of my close friends. So then I decided to start again. So I wrote my next book called The Secrets of the Gin Club. And I wrote this and it was about a group of four friends and one of them accidentally killed their husband. And so I wrote <laughs> this and this was about another year or you know maybe getting on for nearly two years and again I sent it off and I thought right come on then I've learned a lot now here we go and again I just got another load of rejections and then they said and then it was just at the time that um Big Lies Little Lies uh was coming out in the book and it was all then being mm. made and they were like you know it's really similar I was like oh my oh my god it is but it I mean it was don't get me wrong it was nowhere near as good <laughs> so I thought oh so what do I do with this so again I was like oh right, I'm gonna have to start again. So then I wrote another one. And I started, I didn't quite get to the end of it. I wrote, it was called The Juggle. And the premise of that is a husband and wife swap have to swap lives. And um, I got that. And then I, I had a terrible, as often as the case, a terrible family event. And it sort of makes your world just like stop. And you think, oh, God, you know, what am I doing? What am I doing? And it, again, all goes back to what I hear you talk about a lot. And it's like, are you doing this for a book deal? Or are you doing it because you love writing? And you want, yeah. you know, I want somebody sitting around the swimming pool on holiday, can't put my book down. That, that, that was always for me what I would love love that to happen so then I thought you know I'm going to start all over again and I I always wanted to start off with the pink coffee shop so I went back to the pink coffee shop and I deleted it and <gasps> I um I did I just deleted it and I just wow. started all over I started all over again 
I kept uh, a couple of the characters, but it was com- it was completely different, and it was a different sort of feel. And yeah, so then I wrote that, and then I kept writing it, and then I then I sent it off to agents, and I thought this time if they reject me, this is when I started thinking about the self publishing. I thought I've really got to do something else now because I can't keep on like this, and that's then when I heard the Scott Pack um, interview, and also I used to work at the BBC alongside uh, somebody called James Blatch who works with Mark Dawson on the self publishing formula. So I was listening to that. And I just kind of, I thought, you know what, this is, this is, I think, the right thing for me. And it's, in, it's incredible, isn't it? Because when these things come around, and then, um, again, I listened to Angela Marsons and about, with, as I said, with her rejections on your podcast. And it's, it was just mm. like her was like just one yes and one way. And just, and I listened also to LJ Ross. Yeah. And you hear them and you think, hang on, it's, it doesn't have to. I'm not saying, I, I mean, I would love eventually to be a hybrid author. That's what I'd love to be. But to actually, I just, hang on, I've worked for ITV and the BBC all my career. To actually do it for yourself and to learn about it and to understand it, this actually isn't just like the second option or second best. Suddenly I started to think maybe this is actually the right way Mm. And actually, this is what the universe has been telling me I should be doing, if that makes sense. It's strange how <laughs> it comes out of all that rejection and frustration. But actually, it's like, hang on, I can I can do this. I can do this. And my husband is a journalist and he's been really interested in it. And it's been lovely. You know, we work together and we do, we study it and we listen. To it. So actually, I'm really happy it's worked out like this so far, if that, if that makes sense. It certainly does. And I think that moment, where you deleted the book, which is uh, my, my heart genuinely skipped a beat because I've heard people <laughs> do this and I've never been bold enough to do it myself. I've got files of files of files of old projects, you know, and I, I'll, I'll tuck them away somewhere, but they're always there. But to actually hit delete, and I think it's such a brave and incredible thing to do. But of course, when you start writing that book again, you're a different writer. You're a different writer to the Ellie Barker yeah. who wrote that first version. You've gone through the mill. You've learned so much and you have a different perspective. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's an amazing – it's a reinvention really, isn't it? It is. It is. And exactly that. And then again, because then when Scott read it, I've never worked with uh, – you know, I've never worked with a professional. So for all those years, all these mistakes that you're making, you know, you can only learn – when you're you can only learn when you know what you're doing wrong you can't you can't particularly know until you sort of get the 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 professional to look at it so I'm hoping now now I'm um I'm actually going to do it in a different order I'm actually going to put out the juggle next and I'll be working with Scott on that but I'm hoping I won't have 14 pages of what's wrong with it maybe if I can get it down to eight maybe I'll be happy (laughs) but I'm hoping because of what I've learned from him just then the process of the editing with him I'm hoping that that will help me for the juggle. And then by the time I've done the juggle, when I do my next, rewrite my next book, I'm going to, you know, rewrite them all because I, like you say, I've, I feel like I've learned so much. I have to rewrite them now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you haven't just rewritten a book and self-published it and popped it up on, on Kindle. Tell me about Flower Pot Publications. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, um, so again, when we, when I thought about this and I, you know, the idea of the, the idea and you, 
you probably understand this mark that you know like when you do work sort of in creative industries like I do in terms of being a journalist and yes you could go freelance but you're you the idea of actually having your own business and working for yourself it, it never occurred to me that I could ever do this um mm. and then when when the whole self-publishing came up and the idea that actually yes you can have your own little publishing company and publish your own books you're like actually yes this hang on this is this is what's having called your, you know, having your own, having your own business and building your own brand. But most importantly, building a community as you've done with the podcast to build a community with readers. I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. So I, it was lovely because it's just something I could just do on my own as a, I'm surrounded by boys. They're gorgeous. I've got brothers, I've got sons, but to have my very own, like I love pink, I love flowers. So I thought, well, Mm. and I always wanted, well, years ago, I said I would live in a house called the flower pots and have three daughters um, (laughs) called Rosie, Daisy and Lily. And that never quite happened. I had two sons, (laughs) but I thought, well, hang on. I could, so my characters in my first book are called Rosie, Daisy and Lily. And so now I've got my flower pot publication. So again, you know, it's all different ways. Dreams can come true. They just, might look a little bit different to how you imagined them so yeah so now my I've got my little logo and so all my books I plan to write you know for as long as I possibly can I'll do as much as I can under flower pot which which is just a really nice thing and I hear the Christmas parties are very good so you know I I think (laughs) it's a, a nice little world to live in uh, what I what I love about the uh, flower pot productions and and your website, if you go over to uh, folks, if you go to Ellie Barker writes, uh, and there is um, most of us have a lead magnet for our newsletter. It might be a short story, it might be an extract, but you've got something here called the Secret Diary of a Breakfast Television Runner. Yes. And first of all, I'm going to say, have you had it legaled? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, how much yeah, gossip uh, is in here? Because uh, page yes. one, you've got a picture. It says for your eyes only. I mean, this yes. is this is catnip. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. I yes. Now, fortunately, again, due to my experience, and my my husband is very involved in cri- like legal reporting, so we have an experience. <laughs> so I, I, well, you have to read it. There's, it is all true. It is all true what I've written, but I haven't exactly named people if that makes sense. Brilliant. So I've, I've done, yeah. So, but it is, all, it, it's generally true because I was, I did start out as a breakfast TV runner and my character in the pink coffee shop is a television runner. So yes. um, it was just a way of showing the, the readers, I do know what I'm talking about, but yes, you absolutely, <laughs> you cannot make it up when you're making tea for people. You see it all. You see, you do see it all, <laughs> but yes, it was, um, yes, quite the experience. Wonderful stuff. So, um, having set up, uh, you know, a flower pot publications and and had your birth, first book out there, you'd think that would be enough. But world domination continues because uh, at the time of recording this, this hasn't come out yet. But by the time you're listening to this, listeners, Ellie has a podcast as well called The Next Chapter. Tell us about that. Yes. Well, again, not yeah. I um, thank you. It's again listening and sort of being inspired by all the people I've listened to, I do understand, again, it's just a way of, you want to give your readers, if they're sort of going to be kind enough to to read my books, just sort of try and give something back a little bit if I can. So what I thought was, as, um, you know, I'm in my 40s, I'm a mum, it's, you know, it's, it's, sometimes you know well not even just being a a mum being a dad or anyone to to when you start when you go into a new world for the first time it is 
uh, frightening and daunting and challenging and and to actually just sort of pluck up the courage. Even it took me years to admit to a lot of my friends that say that I was doing this and being rejected. So I thought as I start my next chapter as an author, that I would interview people who have already started their next chapter. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're authors. You know, I'm speaking with, for example, a lady who's a single mum. She was a taxi driver and she became a murder detective in her 40s. You know, uh, somebody, yeah, it's I mean, it's amazing. Somebody who run a pub and then ended up um, having her own vineyard and things like that. It's just really um, very, I mean, all very different. I will be speaking to authors, but it's more of the case of like how you feel like, and, and sort of knowing that we're all in it together. And actually, when you are brave enough to say, this is what I want to do, it's incredible how supportive people are. And it's quite... It's really, and I know you have this in your academy, but it's it's really quite a special moment when you think, hang on, people, and actually the fact I've been rejected so many times, I actually think people warm to that a little bit more. It's like, it's um, yeah, it is. And I, I, the lovely man <laughs> who cuts my hair, he says, you know, Ellie, nobody likes, you know, an overnight success story. And it's true. You like to hear yeah. that there's been some struggles um, because there normally, there normally are struggles if you're doing something worthwhile. So hopefully it will just... Give, I can just offer the readers just something, and even if they're not thinking of their own next chapter, but just something just to listen to and some interesting stories alongside my books. So, yes, fingers crossed. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Well, this is it. I mean, folks, if you're listening to this and thinking – I need a next chapter in my life. Well, hopefully, uh, Ellie will inspire you in the same way that Scott inspired her. It's all about yes. passing it on, isn't it? So, um, oh, Ellie, yes. thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, best of luck with the Pink Coffee Shop, with the Juggle, with all those books you're going to write from now on. And we hope it's going to be everyone is going to be a huge success. And uh, come back and speak to us again one day. I will. And honestly, both to you, to both you, Marks. Really, thank you, because you may not, I know you do know, but honestly, the, the the work that you're doing really does change and inspire lives. So so thank you very much. Do you know, it warms my cockles, Mark, when I hear, when I hear that the podcast has made a little bit of difference in someone's life. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. That's it's, why so, we, that's it's such why a beautiful it. thing. That's why we do it. It's why we do it. It's the best, it's the best thing about it. Absolutely the I best mean, thing about it. It's kind of funny because we, when we started out, we knew that we had a mission to write a book. I could never have predicted the ways in which it would actually help other people. Like we started to realize it kind of as we started to get into the podcast and we started getting our first email came in and we're like, what's this? Someone's actually listening. But to hear, to hear Ellie talk about um, the, the impact that it had in her career um, make, reminds me, and let's go bigger than just the podcast. This, again, it reminds me of why writing a book is so important because when, when you write that book, you're inspiring others to write a book, right? We maybe helped inspire Ellie to, to get to the finish line with hers, but she's now written a book which is going to inspire other people who maybe have had a book sitting around for 10 years that they haven't finished. And I think, well, hang on a minute. If, Ellie can, if Ellie's done this, I've got no excuses anymore. I've got, to, I've got to dust it off. Yeah, absolutely. And that thing of, because um, Scott, Again, if you listen to that episode 252, link in the show notes, um, he doesn't take any prisoners, Scott. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic editor, but he's not going to, as with Shannon Mayer in one of our early episodes, she says, editors do you no favours by being kind. And she said she got four lines of what he liked <laughs> and 14 pages of what was wrong. Right? <laughs> you know, but- and a lot of people might have gone... Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> I got the message. I had to go. <laughs> but no, yeah. Ellie, Ellie. 
dusted herself off, picked herself up. That's heroic. That is properly heroic, you know. And and I think she's done everything right. She hired a great editor. She's got great cover art for that's right for the genre. She's got a wonderful newsletter with a really good lead magnet that that appeals to her readers. And she's treating it, she started her own imprint, she's treating it like a business. And she really reminds me a lot of, and I mentioned Nicola May earlier, um, she reminds me a lot of Nicola May. Nicola, now if you go back to episode 180, uh, and again I'll put a link in the show notes, Nicola spoke to us briefly at the London Book Fair. Um, And what Nicola has done with her series, Cocklebury Bay series, is nothing short of astonishing. And I see the same combination of passion and graft in Ellie. So I, I've no doubt that if Ellie keeps this up, you know, she's she's got a fantastic future ahead of her. And I think it's a great, as you were saying, this this Ellie's one of our listeners. This could be any one of our listeners out there. There's no reason why it couldn't be you, dear listener, listening to us now, you know, but it's um it's what she said. She said their dreams come true, but they look a little different to how you imagine them sometimes, which is <laughs> totally true. <laughs> It is, yeah. But the thing is, to have a dream come true, you firstly have to imagine it. And that's the whole point. The fact that whether it's different or not is is kind of is is less relevant from the fact that it actually has she got to that point that she wanted to finish that book. I love it. I mean, in terms of that ratio, it's kind of an interesting one, isn't it? When you think about um getting I kind of worked it out. It's a ratio of about a hundred to one. One good thing for a hundred points of of um of, of things to improve, but that's what you want. I mean, I would be really concerned. I mean, obviously you want, you desperately want your editor or anyone to like your book and say, wow, this is brilliant. But actually a good editor, you don't, you don't want like four lines of things to change. You want a, you want a bucket list of, of, because the more of that you get, the more opportunity there is to make it even better. And that's the thing. It's not about making it good. Sometimes it's making it even better. And if we pitch it in our mind like that, it's just like they're there to hone us to make it spectacular rather than pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, if an editor does come back with, this is all fine, what are you paying them for? You know. <laughs> well, exactly. Because nothing is ever 100% perfect. So, you know, no. I mean, and it, I guess. I was going to say, the, you, you use absolutely the right word there, is which, which is opportunity, which is any, any knock like that, any kind of criticism, any kind of feedback Look at the uh, opportunity potential to change and improve, particularly with editing. Yeah, and this is really this is a really important point that we've never really discussed in the podcast. Is that I kind of find in my coaching world there are two kinds of people. There are people who are like who get offended when mm-hmm. um, when they're given when they're given feedback to improve. And then there are other people who are just like, bring it on. What else? What else? Keep, yeah, give me more, give me more, give me more. And I've noticed there's two very different kinds of people. We we tend to be the former, all of us, when it's a loved one telling us that we didn't quite wash the dishes as well as we should have done. Or <laughs> you're leaving a mess in the sink, Mark, you know, when you shave or whatever it might be. Like, <laughs> right? We, we take we take offense. It's like, it's the reason we've always said, the reason why you never, ever teach your kids to drive, right? You, mm. that, you pay that money because yeah. it's an investment in your future lifetime relationship with your children, <laughs> right? And and there's this thing about, so that's why you never go to really close friends or family and say, hey, could you give me some feedback on your book? Because it's just going to end in tears, folks, Mm. unless you have this incredibly 
wonderful relationship that Stephen and Tabitha King have where they can do that or yeah. Joe Abercrombie and his mum and they his can mom. do yeah. that right <laughs> but but that's rare that is yeah. not normal right that is very that's, unusual but the point the point is is that when we go to an editor um or somebody that we respect because they've written something great and we know that they they know this they know they know, they know their chops right um we're more willing and open to take that feedback and say okay this person's actually trying to help me. They're not criticizing me. They want what I want, which is to write the best book I can. Mm. So yeah, bring it on, bring on the pages of red pen. I think it's, uh, we learn not just how to make the book better in with each one of those little bits of um, feedback that we get, but we also are learning <clears throat> for future times when we, might make the same mistake again and we save ourselves. Over time, Mark, as you've worked with editors, if you've noticed that, have you noticed that you're getting less and less of the same feedback yeah. around the same things? Because you're basically refining it, right? Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. learning from it, yeah? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think like uh, Ellie, you know, first attempt at a proper novel, I, I you know, reams and reams, this is wrong, that's wrong. And okay, right, you, you, you're bruised, you you are kind of oh gosh do I just give up now is it hope or is it a gift this is a gift that I you know I've spoken to someone who knows a little bit more than me I'm going to take that on board and learn from that so you you do have to see it as a, a gift and um, someone's taking the time to read it give it really give it focused attention and give you some feedback which is helpful you don't have to listen to all of it that not all of it is going to be great. Um, but there's there's going to be stuff in there which is is going to help you, and you know that I'm at the point now with where I've got a and I've got a procedure in place where I where previously I might have gone oh that's good enough I'm like no we're going to stop we're going to, we're going to leave it you know I mean the number of versions I go through when I'm writing now the number of um, checks and balances that I have. Born from experience, just because I know what my bad habits are uh, much better now than I did 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, yeah. you know, so I I tend to trip up less and less with the basic stuff. And now when I go something goes off to my agent or editor, there's usually five or six things they want to address or discuss. And that's great because that gives you focus and that is a proper gift when you can say, okay, this is fun. Uh, this character I've got a problem with. And it, again, no matter how many times you do this, you're never going to get it 100% right first time. You know, so um, yeah, I've. Uh, it's, it takes time though. It takes time, tenacity, bit of a thick skin, get used to a bit of bruising, um, but that's what the life is. Yeah, and, and, and here's, a, here's a little secret to let everyone else into is that when somebody gives you feedback, the reason they can recognize that as a potential improvement is because they probably have made the same mistake themselves and learned from it. Or as an editor's perspective, if they haven't been a writer, they've seen that mistake so many times over, like you're not the first to do it and you won't be the last, but they've seen it so many times over. They're like, oh yeah, this is one of the classics. Okay, let's, let's hone this one out. And so, you know, don't ever take anything to heart as, oh, don't be wounded personally by it because everyone people have people can give you that advice because they've learned it themselves and that they too have had the same feedback at some point and that's how they made the change so and one day the irony is is that one day and i'm sure you find this now mark as well when you're giving people feedback you're telling about the mistakes that you made 
yeah. 10 years ago, right? It's just yeah, the cycle yeah, of life yeah. and it's how we all help each other. Well, the, the other thing with writing is because, you know, this isn't doing the same thing again and again. This isn't like, uh, you know, fixing, a, you know, if you have a, a skilled job, like if you need to fix a toilet or whatever, or you need to fix the heating or a boiler or something like that, that's a skill. But very often you're looking at the same equipment every time. When you're writing something, you're talking about the whole human experience you're drawing on your own experience and the experiences of others every single time. It's a different problem that you're tackling. And yet somehow you can make up, make the same mistakes again and again. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah or, true. or invent all new mistakes, you know. So it's um it's it's a different puzzle every time. And I think yeah. once you're reconciled to that and you accept that it's not going to be perfect first time, then I think you you become a bit more zen about getting that kind of feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing I I did with with um, when I heard Ellie was on the show is I went and I went to a website and I checked out a showreel as a news reporter and presenter. It was super cool. For anyone that doesn't know what ITV is in in um in a, in outside of the UK, it's it's kind of like the main commercial channel, isn't it? The main TV channel um, in the UK, next to like the BBC. And um, I saw this wonderful like five minute montage of all of the interviews. And, um, you know, uh, things, the anchor positions she's had. And it made me, it gave me such an appreciation for the value of having met lots of wonderful characters in her, in her work. And I'm, I was kind of curious as to, and I'm sure this comes through in her book in terms of like, you know, one minute she's chatting with, um, someone dealing with dementia and how they have to, um, they have to put their, um, dishes in the sink to remind themselves that they've eaten because otherwise they might not eat for two days. And I was like, wow, that's, that's incredible. Like, you know, to, to, to experience that person's life in their kitchen and then flipping to a, a crazy zany kind of like uh, some marathon, like a telethon thing where they're raising money and doing crazy things. And so she's had such a great breadth of experience of meeting different characters through her life. And so one of the things that I kind of picked up from that is it's so important to to do that. It's so important to kind of chat with the person on the bus next to you or um, to to ask stories about what your grandparents or your auntie or your parents did in their life and draw from all those rich experiences because it makes you a better character creator in some ways. You have to be curious about people and about life. Right. I mean, yeah. we had this... Um, we had that we recently reissued the archive episode of Erica James and Erica James said her sons would get mortified because she would just go and talk to strangers while they're on holiday you know <laughs> so, but yeah that that kind of curiosity really helps and i think it's it's why we see a lot of authors have a background in journalism or the legal professions you know because i, I think yes. those those professions are where you are you have a fascination with people's Life, particularly the secrets of their lives as well. You want to get well, behind yeah. the facade and find out what the truth is, and that's a good, that's a good um, uh, uh, trait to have. You know, yes. want, want to, it, you, there's a there's a fine line between being nosy and intrusive, but being curious. And I, I think and, you know people like to talk about themselves, and it's uh, it's 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 something I've I've cultivated, particularly working in publishing, because you meet a lot of great authors and you know you, you sometimes meet celebrities or whatever and i've learned it's great just to and on this podcast just sit back and listen mm. yeah i think that one of the connect dots just connected for me we've always talked about how fascinated we are with how so many lawyers become authors and yeah, very successful yeah, yeah, authors yeah. but lawyers i guess 
that the, the work that they do is they they often in certain types of law you know if they're conveyancing maybe not but uh, in like in in court cases where they're defending someone or um you know dealing with a lawsuit they're seeing conflict at its highest level which we know is what drives a story so they 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 living in a world of characters and conflict every single day and having to solve solve the plot so to speak solve the problem and end the story and that's possibly why lawyers make such good or potential authors maybe yeah I don't know if that's- yeah and it's, um, we're seeing a lot of um doctors as well doctors and nurses because you're, you're seeing similar thing. You're seeing, you're seeing, yeah, and it's extremes. You know, as it, yeah. yeah, people come yeah. to you like how often you go to the doctor and you sit down and go. They say, "How are you doing?" Oh, absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right then, should we? Uh, <laughs> should we do that's it. Then off we go. Like every every single person comes in, and with their varying degrees of problems. Like some, mm. I always feel bad if I go to the doctor and I've got like a, a minor complaint because I think, yeah. what if the person who came in before me had some major like life threatening illness and I'm here complaining about this little thing or whatever. And, um, but so they get to also see this incredible swing of different stories, but everyone's like, it's concerning in that person's life. So again, conflict, drama, worry, fear, it's, it's all there in the doctor's office. Mm. It's incredible. Yeah. I think, I think maybe that there's something to be said for good. If you want to be an amazing author, like go, Go be a doctor or lawyer first. Well, you don't. You don't social have to worker. Do, I think. I mean, you, yeah, social worker. On, right? Yeah, I think you just social have to be curious. And, I think you have to be one of those people who's interested in other people because it's all about yeah. putting yourself in their shoes. You know, uh, this is one of the reasons we love writing antagonists because we like to be the bad guy for a while. You know, we like to we like to step into other people's shoes and see the world from their perspective, and that for me is one of the great joys of of just setting up a situation an impossible dilemma for characters and saying how do they solve that how do they reconcile that how mm. do they find some kind of solution where there there really is none what sacrifices can they make what can they offer the other person and these are great challenges they're not they're not easy so um i think if you can enjoy that as a writer and just love hearing other people's stories then uh, yes. it's all it's all grist to the mill it is, isn't it? And it's all part of just absolutely having a fascination with the human condition, trying to work it out from our own perspectives and our own life, and then trying to understand it from everyone else's own perspectives and their own journeys. And I think that really is the core of what makes writing such an incredible pursuit, because it's not just the pursuit of telling a great story. It's also a pursuit of trying to work out this big picture that we're always struggling with or trying to get answers to it helps us dive deeper in a really important way to enrich our own lives and understand ourselves better and make more sense of our own life and hopefully kind of um you know make the most of the rest of the time we've got here so yeah it's deep stuff isn't it when you start when you start to peel back the onion skin there's a lot more to it than just sticking some words on a page. It's only taken me four and a half years to work that out. <laughs> so, Mr. Stay, um, well, thank you, sir. Certainly, thank you, thank you to Ellie for for inspiring everyone yes. coming on the show, and 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 also just I love I just love the fact that she reached out to us and she told us about how much the show meant to her and how it actually changed her life in terms of her writing. I, those are the stories, folks, that that warm Mark and, Mark and I's heart. So if you have ever heard something on the podcast that's changed your life or something that you always remember, it's really lovely for us to hear what that is because 
we know that people own things in a different way um, and sometimes we don't see the obvious connection. So like, let us know what how the podcast has helped and uh, we'll maybe give you a mention on the show. Or maybe like Ellie, if your story is amazing, we might, we might, might ask you to come join us for a chat, which would be fun. Um, so Mr. Stay, um, social media. Yeah, we've had lots of good news stories from our listeners, all sorts of good stuff ha- happening. Um, Angela C. Nurse, one of our uh, Best Sell Experiment uh, BXP team over on Facebook, she did her cover reveal this week for her book, Jack in a Box, uh, which is uh, coming soon, a Rowan McFarlane mystery. When family is all you have, how far would you go to protect yours? So go and check that out on Angela's website. Um, Steve Gowland. Now, Steve, you remember, was a regular on the 200 words a day challenge. Um, mm. And he's, he's, he's reaping, he's reaping the benefits now in that he's just um, had an amazing uh, book launch for his, he says best book launch ever in terms of sales, awareness and promotion. He's entered, he's increased his mailing list wow. by a hundred and 20% using Instagram. He also entered the book bloggers novel of the year award. And that's for his book, uh, coven of shadows, the soul's abyss book two so congrats on that steve big congrats and uh, yeah we've steve. had you know we just said to people you know what are your good news stories um rhoda baxter said the children have gone back to school and i have time to write again so let's not, <laughs> let's not underestimate how huge that is in Massive. some people's lives yeah <laughs> that's like the end of the summer holidays times 10 Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Shell Vest says, I connected with a fellow experiment for a daily accountability uh, a month or so ago, and it's made a huge difference. It's nice to have a, the website to log, log word counts, but if I miss a day or two, the website doesn't ask how my story is going or commiserate about procrastination. <laughs> my buddy's word counts and daily progress inspire me. Thanks again for fostering such a wonderful community. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely. It starts with the, it starts folks with the 200 word challenge. That's what Shell's referring to there. You 200 word challenge.com. You go to the website and you just log the number of words you wrote every day. And it's just a really basic, but very effective accountability check-in, but getting writing buddies, actually, interestingly, writing buddies is something we're launching in the Academy in the next couple of weeks. So we're going to have a rotating writing buddy every month. So you get to work with a different person, maybe in the same genre, maybe in a different genre, but the research that we've done of having somebody just to check in with and just say, crappy day today, only did 200 you know, words or amazing day. I wrote 600 words. And then to hear their story back, it just makes you remember that you're not alone in all of this. And it is, it's a graft, it's hard work. Um, and it is incredible. It keeps people going way beyond just having to kind of work on your own world. Um, so yeah, congratulations, Shell, and great for being proactive and finding a writing buddy. Yeah, I mean, I'm using the 200, I'm doing the first draft of the third, which is a Woodville book at the moment. So, uh, and I'm using the 200 word a day challenge. I'm registering, logging my words every day, and I'm tweeting about it. So, you know, come and find us. The hashtag is 200 words a day. Um, I'm at Mark Stay on Twitter or come to uh, at Bestseller XP on Twitter to find us on there. Uh, we're on Facebook too, Bestseller Experiment and Instagram at Bestseller XP. So come and say hi, drop us a line. Absolutely. We do read every single email that comes in and we try to respond to all of them. So come and say hi. Tell us what's happening in your world. Celebrate your books. Yeah. Give us your dream declarations, whatever's happening. Make a commitment today to do something that's going to move your book forward this week. 
whether that's signing up 200 words a day challenge, whether it's writing the 200 words a day, or whether it's dropping us an email, or just telling your friends that you're going to go for this. Make a commitment to yourself and make it happen. Or you could be like uh, Kate Francis Baker on Twitter, who is at Blue Viola, who said, I'm repairing horse rugs while listening to the two marks on the bestseller experiment, <laughs> giggling about their days working in video stores. Uh, very excited to listen to Adele Geras as well. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> that's a first. Horse rugs. Horse rugs. <laughs> Horse rugs. Yeah. I love but, it. Yeah, I know. I know we have people who do knitting. They walk the dog. They do the washing up or whatever. Washing so up, yeah, running. but horse rugs. Yeah, beat that folks. Horse rugs. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a great. Let's let any the randomest things you do whilst listening to this podcast keep every it clean. week. Keep it well. Yeah, keep it clean. But let's have. If we can get enough of these in, we'll do. We'll do. We'll do one an episode of. And if you if you if you send us the randomest thing you do whilst you listen to the podcast, we'll give you a mention. Excellent. Uh, and the funnier the better. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Have a great week, Mark. Good luck with everything at your end, and mm-hmm. good luck to everyone out there in the writing world. May your words come freely, and may your book be amazing. Mm. So it's a goodbye from Mark One, and goodbye from Mark Two. Goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.